Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. I've seen a few of those gray wolves, and they are intimidating just because of their size. This is Chicago's Afternoon News. I'm Lisa Density, Bertrand, Kevin, Mary. We're all here. And as you know, wolves are doing just fine in some areas. Do we need more? Well, that's what our next guest is going to talk about. Bill Ripple is a professor of ecology at Oregon State University in the Department of Forest Ecosystems and Society. And you want more gray wolves, right? Uh, yes, uh, we do. Uh, as scientists, we're trying to put forth the best conservation science. And uh, right now, uh, gray wolves, their numbers are just a small fraction of what they were historically before humans started wiping them out. And so I've seen wolves in Minnesota. Those aren't gray wolves. Is that a different breed? Yes, the, the wolves in Minnesota are gray wolves. And the wolves out west are gray wolves. It's all the same species. And uh, sometimes they're called timber wolves, especially back oh, east. Yeah. But it's all the same. And uh, the wolves in northern Minnesota are doing quite well. Uh, and they have uh, they've never were extirpated or removed from northern Minnesota. And they uh, are the, the the ranchers and farmers are getting along pretty well with them. They're used to it. Uh, but out west, it's new uh, since the 1990s, and we're g- growing through some growing pains on how to uh, live with wolves. They can be difficult to live with, uh, as you know, but they are uh, magnificent creatures. They're native species, and they are considered keystone species where they have these strong effects on the environment. They sit on top of the food chain, so they affect a lots of other species. Was there a point, Bill, where they were near extinct? Yes. Uh, they Not as a species, because uh, gray wolves are found uh, throughout Canada and Alaska and, uh, and Europe and Asia. But uh, they were nearly wiped out in the lower 48 states uh, by the early 1900s. By the 1930s, there were just a few gray wolves left um, near Glacier Park uh, in the west. And then, uh, as I said earlier, uh, the wolves in northern Minnesota have been around all the time, uh, you know, early on in the history and um, more recently yeah, we tend to see them more recently, you know, they they seem to be, a, you know, at least visible where I never had a chance to see a gray wolf before. But it's 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 something to see, because you, at first you're like, is that a deer from a long distance? And as you get closer, you're like, no, but it's something the size of a deer. Um, they're they're really immense sized animals and they need a large space in which to live. Right. Yes, uh, gray wolves uh, have uh, a huge home range, and they require lots of habitat. Uh, They need to have uh, areas where there's plenty of prey, like deer and elk, for them to eat, and not too many busy highways, and, um, and not too much persecution by humans. When they have those conditions, then they do quite well. Uh, They're a very social animal, and 
they're, um, they don't pose uh, much of a threat to humans directly. It's extremely rare uh, for uh, wolves to attack humans, uh, wild wolves out in, in nature to attack a human. Um, but but they, was, will, they will uh, take farm animals, right? They'll, t- they'll take sheep, they'll take cattle, they'll take farm animals, and that's where you run into an issue when ranchers yes. and farmers um, don't want to see those types of losses based on a wolf. And isn't it true that if they take a sheep or they take a, you know, uh, you know any kind of cattle that they'll keep coming back because it's easy pickings? They, they can. Those uh, wolves can get uh, to be a problem, and when they're habituated, to uh, farm animals, and so there can be problem wolves, but there are are methods to deal with those kinds of situations. So sometimes they have to have to be taken out. Other times there are there's compensation for the farmers and ranchers. Uh, So it just depends. One thing, though, that um, I want to stress is that the actual numbers aren't very high. Uh, The numbers of livestock that are taken by wolves in this country is relatively low. Well, livestock are much more commonly, uh, uh, they com- more commonly die from uh, disease than predators. And uh, in terms of predators, wolves only kill a fraction of what coyotes kill um, in terms of farm animals. So I think it's important to put it in perspective. But uh, as I said earlier, uh, they can be a little bit difficult to live with but one thing that I'm noticing is the um, American public in general, especially the, the folks that live in cities, are just in love with these animals. Uh, so some people really love them and others hate them. Uh, that's how it's been um, with this um, iconic species uh, from the beginning of time, I think. Somebody just sent in a text and they were talking about what the gray wolves did for Yellowstone, how they improved the environment because they're strong predators. Is there truth to that? And what did they do that improved things at Yellowstone? Well, that's kind of coincidental because uh, I, I was one of the researchers that broke that story in uh, over 20 years ago. And um, that is where we were studying uh, aspen trees in Yellowstone and they were declining and we couldn't understand why. So we looked at the uh, the tree rings, and we determined that the last aspen uh, regenerated around the 1920s. And that's when I looked and saw that's exactly the same time that gray wolves were killed off uh, in Yellowstone Park. So that uh, at that point, we developed this uh, hypothesis that wolves affect aspen trees and a lot more. So and that the way that works is wolves prey on herbivores or the elk and the elk eat the young aspen sprouts or the very young trees so therefore indirectly the wolves help the trees mm, interesting yeah because uh if if they're not taking down the elk then the elk are eating all the trees and there's no trees left i know there's such a connection so what do you see happening we've got about 45 seconds left in the next five years or 10 years to reintroduce larger wolf populations into those states where they have dwindled or no longer exist? Yes. Well, there, um, I think that's a good question and we'll have to see how it plays out. But for example, the voters of Colorado uh, have um, 
voted to bring wolves back into the state of Colorado, and they are making plans right now to reintroduce wolves into that state, into the uh, mountains of uh, western Colorado. So each state will be different, and what we're trying to do is just put out the best conservation science, kind of as a blueprint. If you really want uh, healthy ecosystems that are uh, resilient to climate change, and you want to protect threatened and endangered species, think about the gray wolves as an umbrella species that can be used uh, to really uh, improve uh, environmental health. So I think uh, we've got lots of interesting things to look forward to and lots of possibilities. It's, a lot of it will depend on political will. That's usually what it boils down to. Thank you for joining us. Bill Ripple, professor, professor of ecology at Oregon State University in the Department of Forest Ecosystems and Society. And consider it a magical moment if you see one of these creatures because they have no interest in us. But boy, good luck catching one on camera. <laughs> they're pretty fast and pretty elusive, but they're gorgeous. Steve has your news coming up next from the Northwestern Medicine Newsroom. WG.